I want to thank you for coming to worship God. How many people are ready to worship God? All right. I don't know about you, but I came expectant. I need God every day. I need him today. I need my dose of Jesus. Um, so I just want to welcome you. Uh, here we have a saying, and we just put our hands, and we say, Lord Jesus, come. Heavenly Father, come. As we prepare for worship, Heavenly Father, we just know that we cannot do anything without you. Father, you are our bread of life. You're our deliverer. You're our savior. You're our Heavenly Father. You give good things to those who seek you, to your children. And so, Father, we come expectantly. We lift up the name of Jesus, and we proclaim that you are forever and ever. Amen. In your promises 
my confidence is your faithfulness. Why will rest in your promises? My confidence is your faithfulness. Why will rest in your promises? My confidence is your
sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind blowing. day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled Church, this is the truth that we proclaim today over our lives. And that's what this song is about. Is that we need a fresh wind. We need that fragrance of heaven here. So I'd like to sing that one more time. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. I just feel like we need to have some time of prayer. Just ask God, come. I don't know whatever your life you need God to fill. 
He is here. He hears every need. He hears your prayers. And He wants to fill you. When we say prophesy, that just really means to proclaim the gospel. It means to proclaim the word of God over your life. It's not some special divine intervention or word that has to come from God. You, he already gave that to us in His scriptures. And that's what we put the song today.
you stand with me, please? We're going to receive communion. What a fantastic opportunity this is. Aren't you glad that you're here? And aren't you glad for the presence of Jesus and for what he's done for us and what he's doing in us? And this is just for us a phenomenal act of worship to come into his presence and celebrate communion together. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and after and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. All of you take and eat it. And after supper in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. All of you take and drink it. And that's what we're gonna do in just a moment. But let me just say to you that this is a wonderful opportunity for you to ask him to forgive you of anything that's standing between you and him. He would love to do that. It's a wonderful opportunity to ask him to heal you of a physical illness or of a broken relationship. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? So much in this meal that we take together. Most of all, it's the very presence of Jesus Christ by faith we receive. So would you join me in taking the bread and eating together? Let us take the cup and drink together. And would you shout out with me, thanks be to God. Ready? One, two, three. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Mission Vineyard. My name is Arlita Arelli, and I am so glad that you're here today. Hey, Gabri. <laughs> um, I'm just really glad that you chose to join uh, with us in worship this morning, whether you're here in person or online. We're so glad you're here. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, first, if you're a visitor, we hope you received one of these bags. Um, inside of this bag, we have something we call a mana bag. This is a practical way to... Uh, Serve and, serve and love our neighbors in the city um, who sometimes ask for money when we're at a stoplight. And I know my per myself personally, I never carry cash because I don't remember where I spent it. So um, it's a great way to kind of bless somebody with some practical needs, some water, socks, hand sanitizer, um, a couple of snack bars. Um, so that's our gift to you as well as some information about our church. Um, there's also inside there something called we call a connect card. It just asks for some simple information, your name, email address, and we will add, we'll send you a quick little welcome email, and then we'll add you to our weekly newsletter so you know what's going on in our church. But beyond that, we won't spam you or sign you up for, um, I don't know, scary things. So um, we hope that you would fill that card out, and you can leave it on the back table. Um, and again, we would just send you a quick little welcome email and then add you to our weekly newsletter. 
Um, speaking of our weekly newsletter, you find all sorts of information in there, including um, our small group information. So we are a church of small groups. Um, being a portable church, it's very hard to connect and get to know people on a deeper level on Sunday mornings. And so during the week, it's the best opportunity to kind of get to know people in our community uh, better, more deeply, and also to get to practice how God is uh, leading you and guiding you and practice praying for people, worshiping, um, however he's prompting you to serve him in the community. You can kind of flesh that out in your small group. And we have something for everybody. We have online groups, in-person groups, men's groups, women's groups. Um, we have a teen group that's kind of taken a little break for the summer, um, but doing some fun activities, but they'll be launching, as well as some of our other small groups will be launching in, going into the fall. So be looking at smallgroups.missionvineyard.org for more details. One of our monthly groups is a men's group. They'll be meeting at James Forward's house, in the back there, um, on the 21st of August for their monthly fellowship. And they'll include a meal and just kind of discussing plans for um, what they want to do going into the fall together. Um, and, oh, people have been asking a little bit about masks and what our policy is. So in this room, we are free to do what we want. The museum has given us free reign over this room, but it's, so it's personal choice. So if you have a desire to wear a mask, you are free to wear a mask, and if you don't want to wear, wear one, you don't have to. But if you have to go out into the main museum space, they do ask that people ages 10 and up wear a mask. So if you have to use the restroom out there or go pick up your kids, they ask that you wear a mask out in that space because um, they're just trying to protect their visitors to the museum. So we're just trying to honor our hosts as we're guests here in this facility. Lastly, I'm going to pray for our giving. Um, it's an extension of worship, is to give back to God what he's given to us. So many people do that online, but if you prefer to give in person, we have baskets on the back table there and back there. You're welcome to give there. Um, or uh, giving.missionvineyard.org. So, Jesus, I thank you so much for this community of people people who are looking to you in every aspect of our life, welcoming you into all of life, Lord. And so, Lord, even with our finances, with our bodies, with our time, we give it all to you and ask, Lord, for you to bless us and be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Arlita. Good morning, everyone. My name is John Arelli. I'm a senior pastor here, and it's an honor to be with you this morning. I, I don't know why I just put my hand on my hip. Isn't that a weird thing? Just, you, know, you notice things like, why did I do that? It's because I haven't preached in a month, in over a month. And so uh, it's really glad. To, uh, it's really glad. Do you see where I'm at this morning? There's just all kinds of things that I, I get to juggle over this morning. It's really glad to be here. Yes, it is. It is very glad. That sounds like it's supposed to be some sort of old English biblical reference. It is really glad to be here today. I'm glad to be here today. And now that I've made fun of myself, you're glad to be here today. Because certainly uh, you can uh, understand what it means to step over your own toes and just be present and authentic to what's going on in the world today. So why don't we get back to basics? Instead of trying to make things complicated, the world is very complicated right now. Let's get back to basics. This is a season of life, the end of summer, where people begin to, especially in San Antonio, it's like this is spring cleaning time. Uh, the live oaks have shed their leaves. We've already raked them up. It's sort of this new beginning. We're getting into the, our season of going. And so we're in this prep season. Let's get back to basics. 
before I begin a whole new series called Back to Basics, Loving God and Loving Others. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there is a worldwide pandemic going on. Have you, did you know that there's, there's some news of that? Uh, but seriously, over the last weeks, there's been a heightened awareness of all kinds of new challenges. I wanted to pray specifically uh, for those people here uh, in education, on the front lines of serving those in need, uh, doctors, nurses, teachers, HEB workers. If you're someone like that, would you stand up this morning? We just want to make sure we're praying for you this morning. Yeah. Would you extend a hand as you see them in the, in the room today? Lord Jesus, there's so much difficulty for what it means to navigate these, these times, Lord, where urgency goes up and infections arise and hospitals get filled, overflowing, and the stress seems to go up more than we know what to do with. Holy Spirit, you promised that you would comfort us through it, that you would lead us through it. So I pray, especially for these workers, these folks that are on the front lines, they need the most grace in all this, Lord. Bless them. Give them wisdom for how to move forward in safety, security, uh, in curiosity and compassion for those they're serving. We ask your blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. What a day we are living in, huh? Last week, uh, we had the honor of another pastor from Austin who came. His name was Scott Hatch, and he preached an amazing sermon, didn't he? On covenant. And he was preaching literally his socks off. He was hopping in the air. It was, it was really, really, really fun for me. Uh, the story of God's commitment to us throughout the ages, beginning in the Old Testament and flowing through. God is committed to us. God loves us. His commitment of love is for us from the beginning to end. And that's why our mission is to welcome Jesus into all of life. As a church, our, our mission is Welcome Jesus into all of life because we believe that when we welcome Jesus, we welcome God's love. We welcome his transformation. There's a scripture that says that those who welcome Jesus get the right to be called children of God. And in days like today, I, I want to be known as God's child. There's so many times that I just go, God, I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to handle it. So why don't you take care of it? And that's what a child can say. God, you got this. I welcome you into all of it. So in the midst of... Uh, Jesus' time, he's walking the streets, he's uh, engaging the people, and he starts making trouble with people. Jesus was a bit of a troublemaker because he had some certain priorities in the midst of a crazy age that really bucked against the system, especially the religious system. And so he started messing around with some Sadducees. Actually, they tried to mess with him, and he just blew their socks off. I use that term again in a different way. And so there was another group of religious leaders, religious lawyers, and they heard about what happened to the Sadducees, and they started getting a little insecure. Have you ever felt a little insecure about what's going on, and you start getting curious, and you go, uh, I'm not sure that I can handle this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stare this person down. I'm going to see what they have up against my rights and my responsibilities and all that I believe. And so in Matthew 28, and this is the verse that's going to carry us through the whole series, Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied to these Pharisees who, who said, Jesus, what is the most important thing? What is the most important law? What is 
your chief cornerstone of how you believe and how you operate, he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, which is the key prayer of religious law. It is the first thing. You must love the Lord. And so Jesus won. He got it right. The religious leaders went, oh, good. He's one of ours. He's in our tribe. He's in our group. Now we're all safe. He's not going to get us down. Those Sadducees that got accused last week, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're worse off. But we were together with Jesus. He's one of ours. And then Jesus kept going, and he quoted this. One out of 613 commandments, he picks this one. It's not the first. It's not in their major prayers. It is one of the 613 commandments in the law of Moses. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. But he said, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The most important law, love the Lord. The most important, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Love's an interesting thing, isn't it? We don't love everybody. We love some people, and we love them differently. There's romantic love, brotherly love, self-love. I need to spend time and make sure I love myself. Family love, friendship love. When we think of religion, do you think of love? I'm going to be really religious today. Does love become, is that the first thing that you think of? Most of us don't think that. That we wouldn't use the word love when we think of religion. But from the outset of God's religious tenets, from the way he's guiding people in the spiritual disciplines, from the way he says, hey, this is the way you're supposed to live, he says, love, love the Lord your God. How could it be anything else, you think? Of course, love, God, God is love. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. But when we think of doing religion, that's not what we think. And so when Jesus says, love the Lord your God, they go, that's right, love the Lord your God, because good religion is love. And he goes, yeah, but love your neighbor as yourself is just the same. And they go, yeah. How could it be anything else? Following God, it's centered on that self-sacrificial love. But it's different than the rest of the laws that we know of. In this country, we have a set of laws and we have amendments. And our amendments have nothing to do with love. The law of the land has nothing to do with love. Isn't interesting? God's law begins with love, but the way that we live, it's not defined by that. They're defined by freedom to do what you want, freedom to protect yourself with weapons, freedom from soldiers occupying your home, freedom from your homes being searched, freedom from accused of, being, uh, of crimes, and on and on. Not one law in our society begins with love. And yet, God's does, and Jesus makes it central not only that we love the Lord with religion, but that we love our neighbor in practice, and so it takes on a different form. Loving God and loving your neighbor are very simple things. They're very, very simple things. They're very simple activities, but they often get crowded out by how we prioritize our time and how we prioritize our tribe. Let me define tribe for just a second. Tribe is that place that we go to when we don't want to have to think about what we're doing. I'm like them. So we make tribes all the time. You ever click like on a meme? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's my tribe. That's my... You ever hang out with your buddies from high school? 
That's your tribe. You ever hang out with those buddies from college? That's your tribe. You ever vote and you say, oh, we're the Republicans, we're the Democrats? That's your tribe. But it's often our tribes that can get in the way of love. Because love is simple. We could love anybody. But sometimes those tribes get in the way. The other thing that gets in the way is time because, well, there's me. I was uh, getting a lift the other day, and this young man who was driving me, he said, yeah, I just had a baby. They're one year old, but, you know, I've got to get back to some self-love time. And I went, yeah, yeah, that'll complicate love for sure. <laughs> loving God, loving our neighbor, they're very simple things, but uh, they get crowded out by how we prioritize our time and how we prioritize our, our tribes. Uberto read a verse during worship today. It was about Pentecost, about how the Holy Spirit came on God's people and how the church started and how the church was wrapped up in the love of God by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God landing on them in, a, in the most empowering way that we know. That came from uh, not unto itself. It was something that Jesus had spoken about when he sent the disciples when he commissioned them, go and baptize people, disciple people. But before that, he died on the cross. And before that, he lived in such a way that he confronted religion and he said, you've got to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. The Holy Spirit landed in such a way that it, it, it changed people's perspective on what it means to love. What would it look like if our lives were simplified like Jesus wanted them to be? How would we respond to Jesus if he told us what the most important law was? What is the kind of life that Jesus might be leading us into? What's the purpose of the church if we would be those people of love? That's what I want to talk about today. But before that, I want to pray. Lord Jesus, uh, there is absolutely no power in what I'm saying. There's only power in you. So I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come. They use, they use these simple words, a simple preparation for this morning. My words stumbling every bit of it for your glory. And that you would speak this morning of your love. That you would lead us to simple love for you and for our neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Holy Spirit lands on this group that's praying. Jesus has ascended into heaven. The disciples are left alone. There's this moment of, what do we do now? Jesus said, love God and love your neighbors as yourself. But how do we do that? He trusted us with us. We're 100 people. We're just going to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He said the Holy Spirit would come and everything would be okay. So let's just pray. And the Holy Spirit comes and he blows up the room. People are speaking in tongues and there's images of fire on people's heads, tongues of fire. And out of that, there was a guy named Peter. And Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples, his closest followers. And he is on fire, literally, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he begins to preach this sermon to people who had gathered around thinking that they were absolutely weirdos. Because if you saw people jumping around speaking in tongues with fire on their heads, you would think that they're weirdos too. But at the time, there's something going on. There's a religious festival. It's the, it's the festival of the first fruits. So at the time, it's like May or June. 
and there's summer wheat that's already been harvested, and uh, I wish my friend who actually has sheep, raises sheep, was here this morning. The baby sheep, the good ones, have already been born, and sad, I'm going to make you cry, those who love animals, they started slaughtering the baby sheep and bringing, the, like, this was the time of all that, and so they would bring the first fruits to the temple, representatives of, the, of Jews from all over would come from all the nations. They would come and bring their first fruits, and there would be a festival of that. So there's a big crowd in Jerusalem at the time as this craziness is going on with the Holy Spirit and Jesus' followers. Speaking in tongues, fire going off. And, and then Peter is seeing these crowds, and he says, hey, I've got something to tell you. We're all being blown up just like Jesus said we would. Jesus is alive. He's the Messiah. All of you are here for a religious festival, but you know what really matters? Jesus, the Messiah, your Messiah, he was here. He's alive. Let's follow him. Just, you've got to change your lives, every one of you. You've got to know that he's alive. And so he preaches the sermon, and it was, it was really good. Acts 2.37 says something that happens in the sermon. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. Have you ever been... Uh, walking through a city and you see some street performers or even a street preacher and they're really weird. And all of a sudden they say, hey, you've got to change your life. I'm going, no, you're weird. I'm not going to change my life. I'm fine. You're weird. I'm good. You're on a street corner. I have a real job. And yet Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, hey, you've got to change your life. And there's something so powerful about that moment that they go, you're right. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, Jews who are here for the festival as well, those who we know, you've seen the Messiah, we believe now, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, to those far away, to all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Would you still be there listening to him? This must have been like, an awe-encompassing moment. He continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Crooked generation? They've just traveled from far away to do the religious law thing. They're actually like the best ones of their society. Save yourself from this crooked generation. Repent, all of you! For the forgiveness of your sins. One thing that I'm beginning to realize as I read this scripture and I read the one where Jesus is confronting the religious leaders, or they're really trying to confront him, that there's something much, much deeper that gets lost. Jesus says, you love the Lord your God, and absolutely love the Lord your God, and they were all coming to love the Lord your God. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And it seems like there's something deeper that we miss out by our busyness, by our distractions, by our tribes and our time. And Peter is saying, hey, 
There's something so much more that you're missing out on. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized, added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. He preaches a sermon. He's super weird. God does something super convicting that's deeper than their religious practice, deeper than what they had experienced before. And their lives are completely changed. And they decide to change their lives in order to follow what God was doing. Has this ever happened to you? I mean, not like this. I mean, maybe you've seen tongues of fire and things have gone crazy. But has this ever happened to you where there's there's this critical moment in your life, this defining moment where God gets a hold of you and he says, hey, I've got something so much deeper, so much bigger. The way you've been doing life, it, it really isn't able to handle what you're going through right now, is it? Some of you, it's a divorce, marriage. A birth or a death, a loss of a friend, maybe you got a new job, and you realize, wait a second, my life can't really handle what's going on right now. It's a defining moment, and God says, yeah, I've got something actually much, much better for you. I, uh, I got to be the good son-in-law. I, I was away on vacation visiting some family, and I got to be the good son-in-law. I was so excited. I'm a handyman, and so I, I, get, I like to use that handyman skill to be the hero in situations. And especially as, like, maybe it's fantasy football around the corner, I'm really excited about, like, the point scale of life. And so, like, I know secretly, he probably doesn't, but I know secretly fathers-in-law in general keep a list of points for their sons-in-law. And so I wanted to make sure that my point level was really high. So I was visiting my father-in-law's house, and uh, he wasn't there, but, but I got to stay there, and there was a leaky pipe, and I thought, this is my opportunity. <laughs> and I am a handyman. I know how to deal with a leaky pipe. And so I go to the hardware store. I buy all these tools because I'm far away from home. I don't have my tools. I, I look at all these tools. I look at all these parts. I'm going to go change out this leaky situation. And I'm there long enough where the hardware store manager comes over to me and he goes, can I help you? And I go, yeah, I'm going to get this, 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 and this, and I'm going to fix my leaky pipe. He says, that, that sounds pretty drastic. <laughs> he said, it's, it's this part, right? And it's leaking. I say, yeah, but I'm going to cut it off, and I'm going to blend it together, and these parts should do it. And if I need to, I can come back and get more. He said, yeah, that, that sounds pretty drastic. He said, you know, there's a thing there. You can just tighten it, and it'll stop leaking. And I said, really? He said, yeah, I would try that first. (laughs) So I go back to the house, get a screwdriver, get a wrench. I tighten the thing. It doesn't leak anymore. I still got son-in-law points. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's why you're clapping. Glory to God, John didn't. Ruin things. I know that's exactly what you were thinking. (laughs) 
What a gift it is that in the situations, the defining moments of life, this was a defining moment for me. In the defining moments of life, this was a defining plumbing moment, there was somebody there, a community. You see where I'm going with this? this is, I'm, I'm pulling this close together. You're hearing this. There was somebody there I could go to a place that say, you know, this is, this is a defining moment. I would do it this way. Where do you go? Where do you go when you've got those defining moments and you need a simple way through? Where the world is so complicated. I've got to tell you as a pastor, there have been so many times I've gone to Jesus and this community and said, are you okay with the way I'm leading? Because there's a lot going on right now. And there's a lot at stake. Over the years, the church has not been the best at being clear. It's not been very good at getting to the basics. Since about the 1950s, in fact, we've gotten really complicated. It's been complicated for a long time, but since the 1950s, something happened in our country where politics and religion started to blend in such a way that people started leaving the church. The trends are exactly the same. The more that faith and politics blended, the more people started leaving the church. To today, so it used to be 5% were non-religious. They would call themselves, I'm nothing. Now it's 46% of people in the United States, at least, that would say, I'm just nothing. I'm sort of agnostic, sort of spiritual. They started mistrusting, or they stopped trusting the church because they saw that actually it wasn't simple love God and love others anymore. It was love God, love others, and join my political party. Or love God, love others, and get in line with this spiritual leader or political leader in this country. And so people stopped trusting the church for what it, mean, what it meant to really love God and love others. So in reaction, people started joining other tribes. They started getting more political, not less. They started getting more distrustful of, of other people. And it's not all the church's fault, but we led in it in a really distracting way. To now almost 50% of our country says, I'm just nothing. It's too complicated. And when those defining moments of life come, whether it's a leaky faucet or a divorce or a marriage, I'm not going to come to you for help because you haven't made it simple. You've made it a mess. This week alone, I'm going to be doing two funerals for families who at some point had said, you know, the church really isn't as helpful as it is confusing for my situation. And so I'm out. It blows me away. It's, it's, it's countercultural, isn't it? That when Peter, as weird as he is, see, weird isn't the issue, is it? Because he's weird, but he's really simple. As weird as things are, fire, tongues, religious festival going on, all kinds of things, and they say, Peter, we're cut to the heart. What should we do? You're asking Peter, the weird street guy? Yeah, because he's got the actual simple love answer. Jesus came. He loves you. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. 
Give up everything else. Give up the political parties. Give up the the meme groups that you have. Give up the mistrust of one another and just trust him. He loves you. Love him and love one another. 3,000 that day. 3,000 decided to trust Peter and change the priorities of their tribe and their time. They all of a sudden left their religious priorities on the ground and came and studied Jesus and had fellowship with one another who are following Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 45. Look at the fruit of what happens when we lay down our time and our tribe. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Loving God and loving our neighbor are very simple things, but they get crowded out and complicated when we still got our unhealthy attachments to our tribe and time. When was the last time something happened in your tribal group, name it for whoever you want, maybe it's political, maybe it's family. There have been times I've had to say no to family in order to prioritize what God had for me. What was the last time, instead of, asking your faith or your faith group or your church to change, you asked your tribe to change. Over the last year, because the world's been so complicated, I had families coming to me saying, you don't follow my tribe and you better stop because my tribe says this and if you don't do this, I'm out. I said, yeah, but Jesus says this. Yeah, well, you're not doing the tribal thing, I'm out. When was the last time we did the opposite? When was the last time we became a little weird just like Peter and we said, hey, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or puppy lover or cat lover. We are called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. It's that simple. And if the church looked that simple, I think that in the defining moments of our country, the church would be a place of trust, not of mistrust. I was talking with my friend Randall. We come across this verse, love your neighbor as yourself, pretty often in our discussions and we've talked over the last year. And we've I'm going to give him credit for this, but the agreement that we have is that you truly can't love yourself until you love your neighbor. I was, uh, I I get a lot of comments. I have friends on both sides of all the aisles, puppy lovers and cat lovers. (laughs) And uh, and political spectrum as well. And so it's interesting as folks come to my house and they see, you know, a, a sign of one person, one lawn, or a flag of another, and they go, oh, what about that? And I go, yeah, they're loving neighbors. They are so generous. Oh, yeah, but what about that flag and that issue and that situation? Oh, man, those people, they mowed my lawn for me for weeks. And the conversation just completely changes. Repent. Save yourself from this crooked generation, Peter says. 
Repent. Turn away from the priorities that the world is asking you to have and come and follow me, Jesus said. And when you do, I'm going to tell you, it's much more than the religious stuff. It's loving God by loving your neighbor. And when you do that, you will experience my love fully. John Wimber, he helped found uh, the Vineyard Movement decades ago. He said this, even back then in the 70s and 80s, he said, we live in our tribes, but we go to war together. When the defining moments of life come, we come together because we have a supreme motive, not an alternative motive. We have a supreme motive, and it's Jesus. We make the simple decision in order for love to come in our lives and through our lives. We lay down our tribe. We lay down our time. On the... On the flight back from where we were visiting, I uh, don't like sitting next to people unless they're my family. But the way we, we figured it out, because we're four, my family sits together as three, and, and I'm the one alone with the strangers, because that's the way it goes. And each time I was praying to God for an empty seat between, you know, myself on the aisle and the person on the window, and Jesus never gave it to me, and, I, and, and we're, we're still dealing with that emotionally. We're, there's some <laughs> repentance that's going on. And, uh, you know, I, I was just selfish. I have my, my space. My, I have, I need my priorities. You know, at the time, I'm not following Jesus very well. I'm not loving my neighbor or loving God. I just want to get off the flight because there's someone that I don't know next to me and they're intruding on my seat space. And that, you're, you've, you've broken my law. And so uh, I, Jesus talks to me about it. And he says, you know, John, there's probably something better that you could do with this situation. And so I, I started a conversation with the guy next to me in my seat. And uh, through that conversation, I got to know about this young man, this dear young man that didn't need to be my enemy, although he was, he was squeezing into my seat. Uh, <laughs> This young man going into high school and talking about how he went on a, to a summer job in Chicago and I got to learn about his life and then I got to tell him about Jesus. Because wouldn't you know it, there were some defining moments of his life going on. The museum has something to preach, I think, just before they, they open at, at 11. I don't know how we're going to deal with that in the future. In any case, uh, forgive the distraction. So... He's got some defining moments going on, and I start talking about Jesus and the love of Jesus for three hours. We're just chatting away. And he's just starting, he, and I'm like, all right, I'll go back to my video. And he's asking me questions. Hey, what, what do you think about faith? And we just keep talking about it. Because I laid down my law of personal space, that young man is today a follower of Jesus. We got off the plane into the terminal and we prayed together. I'll never see him again. But I know now when the defining moments of life come, he's not just depending on his tribe for religious answers. He has the living God to speak to. 
where love can come in the deepest ways and fill his life. You know, because of just the way society is right now, and there are so many nuns, not nuns like Catholic nuns, but nuns like people that aren't going to follow any kind of faith. The, <laughs> tripping over my words, keeping you joyful this morning. You're welcome. There's a better chance that your neighbors, friends, coworkers, and family are going to come to you before they come to a church. It's just the way it is. So at that moment, are you going to decide to prioritize your tribe or prioritize God's love? At what moment are we going to decide to prioritize our time to reach out to those who are in need, to love our neighbors, especially in the church, church, there's another pastor I spoke to the other day. He said, I have got a literal card-carrying leader of QAnon in my church, and I've got literally a card-carrying community communist party person in my church, and they are praying for one another every week in their small group. <laughs> At what point are we going to prioritize that time of practicing love with one another, sharing meals with one another in community, doing that fellowship thing that happened when the Holy Spirit landed, scripture verses and all kinds of stuff, saying, how can we follow Jesus better? How can we do this? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Does that scare anyone? Does that scare anyone that maybe this parking lot or your driveway might be full of people whose flags or bumper stickers don't match your own? That gets scary, doesn't it? All of a sudden, somebody might see someone that someone else might not like having a meal with you. If our parking lot here is just full of all the, the tribes that you just don't like, And Jesus says, yeah, but the Holy Spirit's come. Peter said, repent. Repent from this crooked generation that keeps separating itself in insecurity. Come and love me. Come and love your neighbor as yourself. It's difficult, but it's worth everything. And did you know that there's an actual benefit? There's an anthropologist. Her name is Tanya Thurman. She's not a believer. She may have become a believer in her anthropological journey in the church, in a vineyard church in California. She said this, when people come to church, when it's a good church, when they're actually prioritizing this love, look what happens. She says, social support is no doubt part of the story. At the evangelical churches I've studied as an anthropologist, people really did seem to look out for one another. They showed up with dinner when friends were sick and sat and talked with them when they were unhappy. Uh, the help was sometimes surprisingly concrete. Perhaps a third of the church members belonged to small groups that met weekly to talk about the Bible in their lives. One evening, a young woman in the church I joined began to cry. Her dentist told her that she needed $1,500 for a procedure, and she didn't have the money. To my amazement, the small group that she was a part of, most of them students, simply covered the cost by anonymous donation. This is loving your neighbor as yourself. A study conducted in North Carolina found that frequent churchgoers had larger social networks with more contact, uh, with more affection for, and more kinds of social support from those people that they're unchurched than their unchurched counterparts. 
And we know that social support is directly tied to better health. Healthy behavior is no doubt another part. Certainly many churchgoers struggle with behaviors they would like to change, but on average, regular church attendees drink less, smoke less, use fewer recreational drugs, and are sexually less promiscuous than others. It can get really complicated, and we can lose all of that, or we can lay down our time and lay down our tribes. It's difficult, but it's worth it everything where the defining moments of life come the presence of the holy spirit can come and love can come the love of god the very love of god showed to us the self-sacrificial love of god shown to us through the cross of jesus can come set us free to love love our neighbors and love the lord fully our mission is to welcome jesus into all of life Jesus says, anyone who welcomes me welcomes the Father and gives them the right to be called children. Do you want to receive the love of the Father this morning? I think it's time for some of us to repent, to lay down our tribe, to lay down our time. I think it's some of us to say yes to Jesus. You worship leaders, you can come. And up on the screen, uh, we had a team praying for you all this morning. Someone with tightness in their chest, someone with a sense of weariness, someone with a sense of grief. In this corner over here, uh, during this time of worship, we're going to have some prayer teams ready to pray for, you, pray for you for any emotional, physical, spiritual need. If, if you just want somebody to just be present to you and just pray for you for anything, they will. You don't have to. You could just receive the love of God that he has for you. So as we worship, I would take for take this opportunity don't leave without getting prayer this morning if you need prayer uh, i think for a few of you i think it's time for you to welcome jesus you haven't taken the opportunity to do that so he's he's just waiting to set you free so pray with me would you it's just a simple prayer it's simple lord jesus i'm sorry please forgive me I turn from everything I know is wrong. Thanks for dying on the cross for me. Thanks for the gift of forgiveness. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by the power of your Holy Spirit with all of your love to be with me forever. Thank you. worship, continue to worship, stand with me, sit if you need to, receive from God whatever is going on, come see someone who can pray for you through whatever's going on, and I'll come back in just a minute and dismiss you. Oh, your spirit out, oh, your spirit out, a holy anointing, the power of your
our time we lay down our tribes we lay down everything else except for you and your love God we ask you would lead us this week to love you to love our neighbors to make a fresh commitment to the church and those in the church to practice your love and also to go out and prioritize loving our neighbors no matter what tribe they're in so I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to go out filled with his love, 
and to love your neighbors. To love God deeply and to love your neighbors. To know and receive God's love. I bless you in Jesus' name. Go in peace.